Welcome to Park Church. We are really glad that you are here with us this morning. My name is Matt. I'm a pastor on staff, and this is our weekend where we sort of transition from the fall into the winter, from Thanksgiving um, to Christmas time. This is also the week where we are wrapping up our fall series called Not Alone. If you've been with us throughout the fall, you kind of have a good sense of where we've been and kind of what we're doing. If you're visiting with us this morning or if you're uh, here for the first time, um, I want to fill you in a little bit. <clears throat> we've been tackling all fall these sort of difficult, big questions about difficult, big issues. The kind of issues, the kind of questions that want to make us feel like we have to deal with them all alone. Like, no one could know what it's like to go through what I'm going through, and so I have to deal with it all alone. And no one should know what I'm going through, because if people ever knew what I was facing, man, they wouldn't want to be friends with me. They wouldn't want to be in relationships. So I have to deal with them all alone. Um, these are the kind of issues, the kind of big questions that do their worst work on us when we think we have to go through them all alone. We've talked about things like shame. Um, will I ever be good enough? Will I ever measure up? And when I don't measure up, what does that mean for me? Will people still want to be in a relationship? Like, will God still love me if I don't measure up? We talked about other more like, practical things like addiction. Um, these, these, these things that keep coming at us and keep trying to take away a piece of our lives and keep trying to ruin the lives of those around us. Um, we talked about grief. Grief is one of those topics that no one likes to talk about because it's one of the worst things to have to go through and experience. But really, no one knows how to go through it, and no one knows how to experience it. And so we don't talk about it. And so what happens is people are grieving and they're suffering all by themselves when really that doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. We talked about isolation, about loneliness, about how there are things that we do or things that are done to us that make it so that um, we think we have to be excluded from the community and from relationships and friendships and how that's just, that's just not true because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We talked about unforgiveness. And this was one where... Um, we talked about how resentment and hurt and anger over what was done to us in the past, um, how that has the potential to absolutely devastate us, to ruin our relationships. It's like an injection of poison into our lives. And if we can never actually work on forgiving, if we can never um, let go of those relationships or renew those relationships, how it will just drag us down um, day after day, week after week, decade after decade. And then last week, if you missed it, please watch it on YouTube or watch it on our website. We had an expert here uh, who's part of the community, Christine Moutier. Um, she's one of the really nationwide experts in suicide prevention. And we had a conversation about suicide, um, about that hopeless choice, uh, about that hopeless act to say, the world, is, the world is better off without me. Throughout this fall, um, I don't know if you felt it, but I have felt the heaviness of this series. Just sort of the cumulative effect of, of dealing with topic after topic, difficulty after difficulty. I'm in a position um, where I get to have a lot of conversations with people. And I get to hear a lot of stories. And I get to hear a lot about how these topics we've been going through are personally affecting uh, people. And I get to hear these stories. And I get to see how, how they compound on top of one another. And for a lot of people in this room right now, um, it's not just I've been dealing with unforgiveness or with grief for a week, but it's that I've been dealing with it for a year 
or for five years, or for 15 years, or for 30 years. And this stuff, is, this stuff has ruined my life. This stuff has um, devastated me. And this morning, we wrap up this series. We wrap up this heaviness with a question that is kind of the natural, logical conclusion of all of this. It's, will it ever be different? Will this life, on this side of eternity, on this side of life, will it ever be different? Or are we bound to live this sort of, um, this sort of life that just keeps coming at us, it keeps hurting us? Are we bound to live sort of a hopeless life here? In some ways, the answer to this question, will it ever be different, is no. Life is going to keep coming at you. Life is going to keep happening. God never promises that, you know, after, after Adam and Eve dared, did their thing, God never promises that life is going to be easy. In fact, it's more like life is going to be hard because here's the deal. Addiction, it doesn't just go away. It keeps coming back. It keeps bubbling up and it will pop up. It will keep being something for the rest of your life that causes fear and anxiety in your family. Um, shame. It's something that you can grow for and you can receive God's promises that you are a child of God. But that one person can say that one thing and it just triggers it all, triggers it all right back again. Or unforgiveness. You can work hard to forgive someone, to really and truly, deeply, honestly forgive them and to renew that relationship. And then they do that one thing and it feels like you're back to square one. Life just keeps coming at you like that. And that's sort of the way it is. The answer to this question in one very real way is um, it won't be different. So Merry Christmas and we'll <laughs> s- see you next week. <laughs> there is a sense that we have to actually reckon with that being the answer, that life will always be a struggle. But um, you would not be here, and I would not be up here, and we wouldn't sing those songs, especially that last song. Um, God will at last his Israel free, his people. He will free them from all their sin and sorrow. If the answer to this question was actually no, of course the answer is yes. Things will be different. There is reason to hope. And this morning, I get to um, share with you the reason that we have to hope is because of what we celebrate this time of year, because of what we celebrate at Christmas. The way that um, the Bible, the way that Scripture kind of captures the meaning of Christmas, um, it is like light shattering the darkness of a night that felt hopeless or that felt like there was no end and there was very little light. It is like light pierces the darkness. And the Christmas songs we sing um, bring up that imagery again and again. Here's the big story of the Bible. God creates everything. He puts people in the middle of it. People turn and walk away from God. That's called sin. And it ruins everything and it destroys everything. And God chooses a people for himself. Israel, we sung about that. God chooses a people for himself through whom he will A, show himself to the world, but B, he will deal with sin. And throughout the thousands of years of history before Jesus, the people of Israel, um, they wrestled with this question just day after day like you wouldn't believe. Will it ever be different? And all along the way, God shows up. God comes into their lives. God comes into their community. And he, 
He gives them little drops of hope, little drops of peace, um, little pieces of the future. He sends prophets to them and says, yes, it will be different. Yes, it will be different, but you have to wait. I will free you from all your sin, from all your sorrow, but you're going to have to wait for a little bit. You're going to have to wait. And for thousands of years, the people of God waited. And at the time that Jesus is born, the situation for Israel, the situation for God's people was that they didn't know where God was. Was God still with them? Where, where was God? Was he still with them? When Jesus is born, the imagery that's used to talk about what God is doing through this baby, um, it's captured in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. It, like this, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Will it ever be different? Yes. Is there cause for hope because of what Jesus, what Jesus means at Christmas time? Yes. And so this morning, I'm going to do something I've never done before, and this is going to be silly, and you're going to like it. We're going to, we're going to, turn, we're going to turn the page on uh, Not Alone. We're going to change sermon series in the middle of a sermon, and this is our Christmas series, um, Let There Be. And this morning, let there be hope. Let there be hope. Because that's what um, Christmas is all about. It is about hope. It's about, it's about hope. It's about the fact that Jesus has been born. Something new has come. It shattered the darkness. Throughout the fall, we've talked about not alone. And again and again and again, you've heard the promises that you're not alone in these issues. You're actually not alone in these things. Because take a look around. We are all here. Your brothers and sisters who are sitting here in this room, we are all here. Your problems might not be my problems, and they might not be that person's problems, but we all have problems. We all deal with things. We are all here. But even more fundamental and even more important than that is the promise we heard week after week after week that God is with you. You're not alone because God is with you. Because God is with us. Because God is here. And at the very center of the hope of Christmas is that reality, that God is with us. That finally, we don't have to wonder any longer about where God is, about who God is, about what God's like. God is with us. Throughout the New Testament, um, here is the way that this is talked about. In the Gospel of John, this was... Um, the book that a man named John wrote about Jesus' life. At the very beginning, he's talking about what it means that Jesus has come into this world. And um, it describes, John describes God as being also the word of God and Jesus also being the word of God and also being God. And the point of that is that uh, the word, Jesus, became flesh. He became a human being like us with our skin and our bones and our blood. And he dwelt among us. He lived among us as one of us, God with us. In the Gospel of Luke, which if you want to read the Christmas stories, the shepherds and angels, it's all in the Gospel of Luke. The wonderful imagery, it's all in the Gospel of Luke. And again and again throughout the Gospel of Luke, um, there's this scenario picture that I just described that where is God? Where is God? The Gospel of Luke describes Jesus coming as God finally visiting his people. As God finally coming, stepping down out of heaven and visiting his people, God with us. 
And then most famously, because we sing it, and we'll sing it right after this, um, the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew, Jesus is given two names. Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Um, But he's also given the name Emmanuel. And the name Emmanuel means God with us. The Gospel of Matthew describes Jesus as God with you. God with us. God at our side and by our side and with us. At the center of the Christmas hope is this very real hope, this very real promise. You are not alone because God is with us. Because God is with you. But something is missing. Something is missing from this entire scenario. Because if God is truly with us, if we truly are not alone, well then how come things don't feel different? How come we don't experience life differently? How come we don't live in the hope that we hear about Christmas after Christmas and Easter after Easter? How come, how come we don't experience life differently and live differently? What's missing? What's missing is our response. What's missing is our response to what God has done at Christmas time in Jesus. God is with you, yes, but He has also made you free to be able to turn away and walk away from God, to say no to the promises that He's made, to say no to His presence, um, to push Him away, to reject Him. God is with us, yes, but only in a way that makes a difference if you'll have Him, if you'll welcome Him into your life. But you could say no to him. And God is like this. God will pursue you and he will chase after you and he will be there with you as soon as you turn to him. And that's what God is like. But we can reject God's welcome, invitation, presence in our lives if we choose and live without hope. Live as if the question, it, it will never be different. And so the question is, if God is with you, yes, how do we actually receive this hope? How do we actually live into the hope that um, God has shattered the darkness with at Christmas time? How do we actually um, live it? If you were here last week, you heard me open our time together with the answer to the question. And it's not my words, it's Jesus' words. With the simple invitation from Jesus. And I want to read it again. And what we're going to do this morning is spend our time considering what this invitation means and how if you receive and accept this invitation, take Jesus up on it, things will be different. Things will become different. You will let there be hope in your life. And so here here is the very simple but moving invitation from Jesus. He He says, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Will it ever be different? Take him up on this invitation, and you will find rest for the things that are making you weary. You will live into the hope that Christmas brings. So what I want to do is just take this uh, piece, piece by piece. 
The invitation opens with, um, well, the invitation, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will bring you rest. This, this invitation, this is for all. This is for everyone. This is for all kinds of people. This is for people who don't have it all together. This is for people who don't believe the right things, who don't think the right way, who don't do the right things. This is, this is for people who, because of what they've done, um, they have put heavy burdens on themselves. This is for people who are turning and walking away. This, this invitation is for everyone. It's for the person who you're sitting next to. It's for the person who you work next to. It's for the person who you live next to. It's for the person who really annoyed you this week at the line uh, in ShopRite. I think as a church, as Christians, it is so easy, we are so quick to forget this very basic truth. That the invitation that we have, the invitation that we've received, it's not just for us. It is for the world around, the people who are weary and tired and carrying heavy burdens in our lives. It's for, it's for them. Now, this is kind of a side sidebar, so I'll come over here. This is a different sermon for a different day. Um, following the theme of love where you live for the year, um, learning to think about our faith, not just as what goes on in here or in here or in here, but outside of this community, outside of this building, outside of these walls, in the world around. Thinking about faith more like that, um, who, who, are the, who are the people or who is the person who first came to your mind when you heard that and said, gosh, they could use rest. They are weary and carrying heavy burdens. Who is that person? Different sermon for a different time. Uh, I want you to think about how you can be involved in extending that invitation to that person. How can you be involved, personally involved, in extending Jesus' words to that person? Because this is not just for us, it is for them, and we can never forget that. But the other thing we can't forget, and we are quick to forget it, is that this, prom- th- this invitation, it actually is for us. A few weeks ago, Paul t- kind of talked about this idea that we do things or we're involved with things or things happen that make us feel like everything Jesus did for us isn't actually for us, that we're actually outside of the bounds of, of Jesus' invitation or of God's grace. Um, this invitation is for each and every one of us, no matter what we've done, no matter how we've walked away, no matter the sin, as Scripture calls it, the sin that's ruining our lives. And so I want you to stop and think, think for a moment. Think about how you are weary. Think about how you are in need of rest. Think about the heavy burden that you carry. This promise, this invitation is for you, for you who have become tired of life the way it is, for you who are frustrated with work because things just aren't working right, for you who is um, in a marriage that's just really difficult and you feel like it's too late to fix it. This, this invitation is for you, for you whose family has been um, broken by abuse or by addiction or by suicide. This message is for you. This invitation is for you. If you receive it, he will give you rest. This morning, I want to extend this invitation to you. 
in a season where all of the busyness, all of the hustle and bustle of Christmas stands over here. Put that in contrast with the rest that Jesus promises you, that Jesus offers you. And consider taking up this invitation again. But the question is, what does he actually invite us to do? What does he actually invite us to? And what he says is, he says, come to me. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Now, what's a yoke? It's not the yellow part of an egg, in case you were wondering. I considered writing a whole part here where I, I like, fooled with you and made you think I thought it was the yellow part of an egg. And I was going to come up with this whole metaphor for how Jesus is born inside of us and the yolk. Just kidding. I wasn't going to do I wasn't ever going to do that. Um, the yolk is not the yellow part of an egg. The yolk is the big wooden cross beam. I have a picture of it. The yolk is the big wooden cross beam with those two things that go around the neck of two animals. What are these? Cows? Oxen? Ox. They're ox. Um, oxen. Thank you. It's the thing that goes on top of their necks. It's this big, it's this big heavy thing um, that binds them together, that keeps them going in the same direction, that the person who's controlling it can make them kind of turn a little bit. Um, and the purpose is for these two oxen together, for these two beasts to carry the load, um, to pull the cart or to pull the water or to pull the plow, to plow the field, to do the work. At the core of what a yoke is, it is an instrument of work. It's an instrument of labor. And um, judging by the kind of animals they put in this, right, these are big, strong ox, right? Um, it's an instrument of hard work. It's an instrument of hard labor. Now, that might not make any sense because Jesus is talking to people who were already carrying heavy burdens, who were already tired, and who were already weary. Um, it would be nicer if he said, come to me, all you who are tired and carrying heavy burdens, um, and I'll give you rest. Take my vacation time upon you, right? Take my, take my king-size bed and 10 straight hours of sleep upon you. Take my bottle of wine and fire upon you. What people need who are weary and who are tired is not more work. They need, um, they need a vacation, right? They need a good night's sleep. That's what, that's what they need. Here's the important point here, though. The most hopeful, the most restful, the most hope-filled gift that Jesus can give to someone who is tired and hopeless from carrying life is a new way to carry life. You understand that? It's not to give a way out of carrying life. Because as long as you're alive, this side of eternity, life is going to come at you. It's not an escape. You can't get out of it. Rather than giving a way out, Jesus gives a new way, a better way, the right way. He gives his way forward to live. So what does this taking his yoke upon you, what does that actually involve? Um, the first thing I'll say about it is when Jesus uses this as a metaphor, he's assuming that you're already carrying a yoke. You already have a heavy burden on top of you that you are carrying and that's wearing you down and that's weighing on you and that you wish you didn't have. I bet you can imagine that. Thinking about the yoke that you're carrying, thinking about it again, is it, you know, the shame, the failure of the past error or the past sin? Maybe it's um, someone else's expectations of you that you're carrying, 
right? Part of what a yoke does is it kind of directs these animals. Maybe someone else's expectations of you are directing you a different way, are directing you a wrong way. You're being misdirected by that, and your life is um, going off the edge of a cliff because of that misdirection. Maybe that's the yoke you're carrying. Maybe the yoke is unforgiveness or someone else's sin that has violated you or some relationship that's become poisonous. Listen, we all carry a yoke. It's either for someone else, for someone else's idea, or it's for ourselves, for our own mixed-up selves. Selves. When Jesus invites us to come to him and take his yoke upon us, what he's implying is that we will take the yoke that we're carrying and take it off of ourselves. He's implying that whatever the thing is, the heavy thing that we're carrying, we will take it off and lay it at his feet. It's not his yoke on top of our yoke. It's just his. Part of taking up his yoke uh, and carrying it is giving up the yoke that we currently are carrying. I don't know about you, but that sounds really good to me. Asking, will it ever be different? Here's how it will be different. If you're able to give up the burden, give up the heavy weight, give up the yoke that you're carrying, take it off, give it to Jesus, and lay it at his feet. When people say nice things like let go and let God, or give it to God, or surrender it all to Jesus, um, they mean nice things. This is, what, this is what's behind it, though. Taking the burden that you have and putting it at Jesus' feet. The Apostle Peter, um, he was there, most likely, when Jesus said this very thing. And in his letter, he says this to us directly. He says, cast your anxiety, your worries, your cares, your concerns. Cast them on him because he cares for you. He was there that day. He has seen what Jesus can take from us, what Jesus can carry for us. The thing that you've been carrying it is time for you to receive this invitation and give it to Jesus. Let it go. Let him take it, and he will take it and bear it and bear it away. His shoulders are strong enough. So what else does just taking this yoke mean? Well, Jesus continues. He says, take this yoke upon you and learn from me. Part of our taking his yoke upon us is learning from him. Now, can you think of someone who you've learned a lot from? Whether it's a mom or a dad or a, a friend who's further along or a mentor or someone like that. For me, I learned a lot from someone, um, from someone in my life whose name was Joan. Joan has since passed away, unfortunately. But um, Joan was my supervisor while I was trained to be a chaplain. I used to work at the hospital as a chaplain. Um, she was my supervisor. And part of what this supervising relationship looked like is that I met with her every week for an hour in her tiny office, and it was face-to-face. -face. Um, and part of it was like a counseling-type relationship, but the bulk of it was us talking together about what I was doing, how my pastoral visits were going, um, how it affected me that I was with this family whose person died, and um, how that all worked for me. And the thing about Joan I couldn't stand Joan. I couldn't stand Joan, and people didn't like Joan because she asked the worst questions. And by worst questions, I mean the kind of questions that unsettled you, that made you think, gosh, maybe I don't 
Like, maybe I do need help here. Maybe I'm not perfect here. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. And she asked these hard questions, and the response that you get, is just, it just kind of makes you mad. It just kind of makes you frustrated with her. But you know that the question that she's asking, you actually need to have answered if you're going to be good at whatever you're going to do in life. And she asked me these tough questions, and she got to know me, and she got to know what I was about and what my story was. And in the process of, of this supervision relationship, um, she could see the things in me that were bad or that were deficient, or that needed work. She could also identify the things in me that were good, and that should be lifted up and kind of taken out of the swamp and used. Um, she got to know me. We spent time in that relationship, that structured time together. And I can honestly say, through it, I was so frustrated with her. I didn't like her. I look back on it now and say, I learned more from her about how to be who I am than I've learned from almost anyone else. And it was because we spent regular time together talking honestly about things that mattered, about things that made a difference. And she could speak the hard things into my life in a way that redirected me, in a way that changed me. And I learned a lot from her like that. When I think about the people who we learn from, it's people like this. It's people who know us and who we know and who are honest with us and we can be honest with them. It's the people who can speak the hard truths into our lives that we don't want to be engaged with. Um, these are the people who we learn from. When Jesus invites us to this, it is that kind of relationship with him that he invites us to. He invites us to that, to spend face-to-face -face time with him, to talk to him in prayer, to, um, to be silent before him, to listen to him in prayer. Notice, it's not learn about Jesus. It's learn from him. We do a lot of work to learn about him. We read about him. We have books about him. We have things about him. Learning about him is good. I love to learn about him. But if we ever think that um, learning about him replaces learning from him, we have gone off the rails. We need to learn from him. What Jesus is inviting us here to is not a relationship with a body of knowledge or even with a people who know him. He's inviting us to a relationship with him directly. It's a personal relationship. This is one of the reasons why week after week we gather like this and we open up scripture because Jesus speaks to us through scripture and we seek to hear him through scripture. It's why people who are up here work so hard to try to help us to understand this stuff. It's why um, we did the year of the Bible thing this year, and it's coming to a close in December, and we're going to do a new year of the Bible next year. It's because when we open Scripture and allow Scripture to speak into our lives, we allow Jesus to speak into our lives. It's why our community groups are organized the way that they are, so that we can take what we're hearing and learning up here, what we're reading in Scripture, and we can ask questions of one another about how does this apply to our lives? How does this actually work? How can we not learn about him, but how can we learn from him? How can we actually um, make it so that all of the faith we're talking about, all of this stuff, actually makes a difference in our lives? And that's, that's the key to learning from him. When scripture, when his word actually changes things for you, actually makes it so that you do things differently, so that your life is redirected. Um, we're going to talk a lot about this next week, but when scripture speaks to us and we when we allow Jesus to speak to us through scripture, he will redirect our lives in ways that sometimes are challenging. 
And sometimes we're not going to like. And sometimes in ways that are unexpected. If you want things to be different, if you want to live into the hope that Christmas brings, you simply must receive this invitation to come to him in a personal relationship and learn from him. Open up, open up your Bible. Um, Get the year of the Bible plan. In December, I believe, we're starting with the Gospel of John. It's a great time to, to read the Bible. Anyone can read the Gospel of John. You never read the Bible before? Pick it up and read it. It's on the app, too. You can just do it on the website. It's super easy. Um, start reading and start listening to what Jesus might be saying uh, into your life. And then the last thing I'll say about what taking up his yoke means. It means giving up ours. It means learning from him and being redirected by him, right? But it also means something else. And this is perhaps the most hope-filled thing I could possibly um, say to you, I think. A yoke was meant for two. A yoke was meant for two. Remember the picture of the yoke, the two animals. They share the burden with one another. When you, when you take his yoke upon you. He doesn't expect you to carry it on your own. He doesn't leave you to yourself. When Jesus is talking up here, and I didn't give you this detail yet, when he's talking up here, he's actually talking in contrast to the way the other religious leaders at the time did things. All right? Uh, later in the Gospel of Matthew, he kind of um, fills this out a little bit. He's talking about the other religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, and the way they do things, the way they run things. And look at what he has to say. He says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. I want you to think about the burden that you've been carrying. Think about the yoke that's been placed on you. Who put it there? What situation place it on you? How have you placed that burden on yourself? Are you getting a lick of help from anyone, from any of those things to help carry that yoke? Are you getting a lick of help? Are they lifting a finger? When Jesus comes to us and says, take this yoke upon you, he is saying, the burden that I put on you, I will help you carry it. I will carry it with you. The yoke is meant for two. It's still his yoke, after all. He will carry it with us. And isn't that, isn't that the very best news imaginable? I don't know about you, but I don't have the strength to always be carrying everything that's thrown at me. I just don't have the ability to. I need the people who love me. I need my friends. I need the unexpected people who come out of the woodwork, or I don't even know. I need all those people to help bear the burden with me. But before all of that, and more importantly, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to carry that burden with me. I need to be in a relationship with him where I know that he's carrying it with me, where I can feel it, where I can talk to him, where I can hear from him. Living this life is hard. It's hard work. No one knew that as a man better than Jesus because this life crushed him. 
It's hard work pulling the cart that you've been pulling, or tilling the ground, or plowing the field, bearing the weight. When we try to go at it alone, it is often too much for us to bear. But the good news and the hope of Christmas is that you are not alone. Jesus is with us if we'll take on his yoke. And when we do, he carries it with us and for us because his shoulders are much stronger than ours are. And he can bear what we can't. His burden is light because he makes it light because he carries it for us. He is gentle and humble of heart. When you come to him and give him your yoke and take his on in a relationship with him, he is with you in a different way. And this is a, a window into what's called the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died and was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, he didn't leave us all alone, but he sent his spirit to be with us, to live um, in us, to empower us with a power that we have a hard time explaining with a kind of supernatural, otherworldly power that all we can say to it, um, to him is thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us this power. That's, that's a separate kind of story. If we're asking, though, will it ever be different? This is how it will be different. When we enter into this relationship with Jesus, he carries the burdens with us. He gives us the power to do it. And he is there for us. And so... Whatever Christmas this is for you, whether this is your 10th Christmas on earth or your 42nd or your 68th, whatever Christmas this is for you, if you haven't already, maybe this is your season to stop learning about Jesus and start learning from him. To stop singing about him and start singing to him. To stop worrying so much about giving your presence to other people, although that's good. Start worrying about giving your life to him. Maybe this is the season where you don't want to hear about hope as something abstract over there that's good for those people, but you want to let there be hope in your life. If so, I want to encourage you, challenge you, call you to accept this invitation from Jesus. If you've never accepted it before, if you've never received this invitation and acted on it, to enter a, a, a real relationship with him in a way that you can give him your burdens and learn from him, do it today. Do it right now. Why, why even wait? Ask him to come into your life, to take the weight you're carrying. Um, pick up a Bible and start reading it. Say it to him even right now. If, you're, if you want to talk more about this, hear more about this, and you're too um, afraid to come to one of us afterwards, put it on a connect card, drop it in a box, and we'll contact you this week about it. Or come to talk to us in the welcome room. We would love to be um, involved with you in that. But even if you're someone who is following Jesus, who does have this sort of relationship with him, I want you to consider, um, I want you to consider doing the same thing again. Make this Christmas season a different one, because we can't ever stop giving ourselves to him, as he has given himself to us in new ways in different ways, in more challenging ways. As he speaks into our lives, we are inspired and we are moved to give ourselves to him different, differently. Even for the most devoted Christians I know, we still carry a yoke that's not really ours to carry anymore because Jesus has taken it. He has paid the price for us. He's taken it from us. We're still saying no to his yoke and saying yes to ours. Say yes to his yoke this season. Because of Jesus, because of Christmas, we have every reason in the world to live in the hope that he brings. But if we don't accept this invitation, 
if we don't receive it and act on it and take his yoke upon us, it's nothing more than a missed opportunity. It's nothing more um, than a gift unopened. Don't let it be that. Let it be yours. Throughout the rest of this Christmas season, we're going to do um, let there be. And we're going to do let there be different things, big things, things that matter for us like peace and like love and like joy. We're going to talk about all of the gifts, all of the, all the stuff that we hear about that Christmas brings to us. We're going to talk about how that actually like, works out in our lives, how we can actually let there be these things in our life. When we accept this invitation, say yes to it and take his yoke upon us. If you haven't yet, open, open the gift that he has died to give you and live it and enjoy it and let things be different. Don't let it pass you by. I want to invite the musicians up to lead us um, in a song that, that remembers, that celebrates, that lifts up how God is truly with us. And as they're getting prepared, we're going to pray. So let's pray. God, we thank you that at the right time, you sent your son into this world to be born as one of us, human flesh and bones and blood and tears and emotions just like us. You sent your son to be born to us, to be, to be God with us. Lord, for all of the hope and the promise that Christmas brings, it doesn't do anything if we don't, if we don't, if we don't experience it, if we don't live it, if we don't receive it. And so we pray that today and throughout this season, you would help us come to us to help us experience it and live it and receive it. For us this morning, in particular, this invitation to come to you, to come to you with our mistakes and our failures and our sins and all of the things that are making it heavy for us. May we receive this invitation again and accept it and take your yoke upon us. Lord, I want to carry your burden. I don't want to carry someone else's. I pray that for me, and I pray that for each and every man and woman and child in this room now, that, we would, that you would stir in our hearts, inspire us to say that to you, to take upon your yoke on us, and to cast our, to cast our burdens on you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you love us and that you care for us and that you are with us and that you are for us even when we turn our backs on you. We pray, God, that you would speak to us and let us celebrate you now as we sing about your coming. We pray that you would come into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.